Hello, and welcome to Sherlock, from Adler to Amberley. An attempt to analyse all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. In order. Starting with the first story, A Scandal in Bohemia, featuring the celebrated adventuress Irene Adler, and finishing with the final story of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, The Retired Cullerman, where Holmes and Watson accept the case from Mr Josiah Amberley. Hence, from Adler to Amberley. My name is Carl Kopak, and I'll be presenting this irregular series along with a special guest as we attempt to assess the value of each tale of the canon. A recap for The Adventure of the Resident Patient by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Holmes and Watson are at home in 221B Baker Street. Holmes has been playing with chemicals, doing an experiment, but he breaks a test tube or something and therefore has nothing to do. Uh, Watson's in a bit of a reverie, he's just bored reading the papers and... um, Holmes at this point decides, let's go for a walk, a three-hour walk around London, which is a hell of a trek. Um, Now, at this point in the story, depending on which version you're reading, uh, comes the mind-reading scene. It's it's become quite infamous over the years. We're not going to talk about it too much on this podcast. We covered it on the the, uh, podcast for the Cardboard Box, which we recorded with the However Improbable podcast. Uh, ladies, so um, we're going. We won't talk about it too much here, but that's where it goes, really. Uh, in the resident patients, I think it's quite jarring myself. So let's not talk about that. They return to two two one B Baker Street and notice a broom outside the house. Uh, they have a quick look inside, and Holmes deduces that it's a medical man and therefore possibly even a friend of Watson's. Um, Watson doesn't know who it is, and it's obvious. Um, pretty much immediately to Watson, just how he could tell he was a doctor. Uh, there's a wicker basket in there where most doctors tend to keep their medical instruments, so well done there. Not the greatest deduction, Sherlock, but, you know, your time might come. Um, they go inside and they meet a young man called Dr Percy Trevelyan. Um, the, the name is known instantly to Watson because Watson said he's read his work on... Um, um, uh, a state of ner- nervous lesions. Um, Trevelyan is actually overwhelmed by this because he was a, a student with a great deal of promise and things were going well for him. But then um, once he graduated, he realised he had no practice and therefore no way of making money. That all changed one day when a man called Mr Blessington came to visit him and, and um, got straight down to business and said, like, you know, how are you getting gone, you know, and what have you. And he said, uh, well, you know, I'm doing okay, etc. You're not, though, are you? Well, why don't I get us some premises in Brook Street, which is quite close to Harley Street, so, you know, pretty good West End practice. Um, I'll furnish the place, I'll get the staff, and um, I'll take three quarters of whatever you earn. Um and they, they, I love the fact that he says, uh, he says, you know, we haggled, but um, we pretty much did exactly what he wanted. So he moved um, into Brook Street. There is another reason why this is a good idea for Blessington, not just straight money, which is, you know, people are always going to be ill, so he's going to be earning money. Um, he's not the healthiest of men. He's got a heart issue. He's got a weak heart. He's very overweight. Um, and therefore, he's got a doctor on call whenever he needs him. He... Um, 
this becomes a bit of a pain for Trevelyan. Though he's very, very happy with his station, but uh, it does say he tries to avoid the doctor, avoid his uh, patient um, stroke benefactor whenever he can. Um, and you know, so I think he's also always quite relieved when he goes out for his uh, when Blessington goes out for his daily walk uh, around London for a while. But why is he there? Why is he in T Two One B Baker Street? Well, one day. He is astonished to find that Blessington burst into his consulting room um, and start banging on about um, burglary in the West End. And this has really got to him. He's absolutely manic, saying, you know, people are breaking into houses and um, and this is an absolute disgrace. And um, uh, Trevelyan just basically blows it off and says, well, you know, one of those things, you know, we're quite secure here, wouldn't worry too much about it. A few days later, um, in a professional capacity, Trevelyan's quite busy, two Russian gentlemen appear um, at Brook Street and um, uh, a father and son uh, and um, Trevelyan's quite pleased because one of them has a, a has a, catalypt, a, a cataleptic um, illness of some sort which is really, really in, um, in Trevelyan's league. Um, he asked the, um, they have a chat about it and he says, you know, well if you stay here to the sun I'll see what we can do. And he said, oh I can't stay, I can't stay in the same room. I've got a very nervous disposition, you know, I, I don't want to see, when he gets one of these attacks it's really horrible. So look, that's no problem, go and wait in the waiting room then, which you go, he duly does. Um, so he tests the rigidity of the man's muscles, he has a little chat with him, he's quite nice, quite polite, a bit vague occasionally, but he's an old man. Um, and then he has a fit and, um, this is great news for Trevelyan, although he denies it, um, sort of half-heartedly denies it. Afterwards, he's sort of, you know, quite pleased that, you know, this, this is his thing. This is, a, this is where he's, this is his specialism. So he goes out to um, get some uh, amyl of nitrate and realises that the sun's not there. The sun's not in the waiting room. And he thinks, this is a bit weird. So he's sort of, while he's looking around, and it takes him a good while to find this thing. He thinks, he has a little look around for him as well. He's not there. So he goes back to the consultant room to see the old man. The old man's not there either. They both left. He doesn't think much of it. I think that's a bit unusual. I'm not quite sure what happens then. They come back um, a couple of days later and um, the son apologises and said, oh, my father just left your room and I thought he was, um, I thought he'd finished. So we just went home. It's only afterwards I realised, you know, what had happened. I'm really, really sorry. So I did test him again. And again, the son goes and sits in the waiting room. Blessington comes back from his daily constitutional and is absolutely in pieces. He's panicking. He's seen some footprints on the stairs. Someone has gone up to his room and he's gone nuts with it. He's going to be burgled. He doesn't like it. Um, and he's just literally hysterical. Literally hysterical. So Trevelyan says, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we go see Sherlock Holmes? He's not too far away. He's only up the road. So they go and um, he says, well, okay, you go and see him then. And they turn, that's where he visits him that night. They go, Holmes decides, let's go and have a look and let's go and meet this man to find out what's going on. He's obviously got a theory about what's going on already. It's not difficult, I think. And they go around there and um, when they meet Blessington, it's, it's the, the lights are being dimmed or turned off altogether. And Blessington's holding a pistol, shouting, I'll shoot or what have you. And they calm him down. And um, Blessington's really, really sort of mortified that he's had a gun pointed at Sherlock Holmes. Um, and Holmes says, right, okay, well, let's get to the bottom of this. Who are you scared of? Who are you running in fear of your life for? What's going on? He says, I've no idea what you're talking about. And so, you know, you're scared of somebody because, you know, you wouldn't be in this, this state. He said, oh, I'll, I'm scared because I've got this strong box. And he shows him a strong box. Holmes is disgusted with him and says, you know, the best thing, advice you can have, Sarah, is to tell the truth and walks out furious. And then it's fine again the second he walks outdoors. Outdoors. 
They go home and Holmes tells Watson, I think we're going to hear from Brook Street in the morning. They do. Holmes gets a, a letter from, um, or note or telegram or whatever from Trevelyan saying, please come to the house. It's a very, very vague note. They go there and um, Trevelyan sends his broom around so they could get a lift there. And he, um, they find that Blessington is dead in his room. He's, he's hanged himself, so they think. Um, and it's definitely a hanging because the, the, there's no one's gone into the building. There's no, the, there's no, there's no evidence whatsoever that anyone's broken in or anything like that. Um, probably happened at five o'clock in the morning. That's what Inspector Lana says. We, we don't see Lana again, which is a shame, I think. Um, and um, uh, and the door's being you know locked from the inside and bolted, so you know that's not a problem. He's um, he's definitely it's definitely a suicide. Holmes has a good look around. He finds some cigar butts. Um, uh, has a good look at them. Two have been done by a user holder. User have been bitten by an excellent set of teeth, etc. And there's a few other things as well. And he turns to the liner and says, this man's been murdered. He's been murdered. That's exactly what's happened. Um, and he points out his deductions around the room. Um, but by who? They don't know. Um, so Holmes spends the days in the in the library, you know, looking at mugshots and what have you. He's got, obviously, there's a picture. He's got a picture of Blessington. And he comes back and meets them all later on and says... Um, I've worked out what it was. This it was a gang in I think it was eighteen seventy five. Um, oh God, I'm going to have to look up their names now. I can't remember what their names are. It's it's Carter, Hayward, and Biddle or something, and and, and someone else. Uh, Cartwright, sorry. Uh, they were um, uh, they were a gang, um, and uh, they got took in a daring. They they took out a daring robbery, robbed seven thousand pounds, and Cartwright killed the caretaker, um, the leader Sutton, who is Blessington. Turned um, uh, Queen's evidence and Cartwright was hung and the others, the others got 15 years. So what's obviously happened is they've obviously gone out of jail. They've worked out a way how to get upstairs. The cataleptic fit was by the man and the uh, and his supposed son. Um, where clearly they're part of the gang too. And they um, used the excuse to go and have a look around and see you know, how the house works. Was he in? Maybe even kill him there and then. Because obviously they've no idea that Blessington goes for his walk around then. And... Um, they had like a mock trial and then they basically strung him up. And it's a pathetic looking creature who's strung up, obviously um, petrified. Um, they think they can catch these men quite quickly, but they've already obviously already got boat on, on a ship. And they think that they were on a ship called the Nora Kramer, which um, was shipwrecked with all hands lost. So Holmes doesn't get justice on this one, but he does solve it. And that's the adventure of the resident patient. Our guest to discuss the resident patient is the fantastic Heather Owen. Heather has been a member of the Sherlock Holmes Society of London since the 1970s and really starts her, uh, <laughs> her involvement from the costume trip they undertook in Switzerland in 1978. She lives in London and has a special interest in the Baker Street London Sherlock um, if you know what I mean, basically sort of anything around London in the, the Victorian, Victorian period. Um, she's been the production editor of the Sherlock Holmes Journal since 1984, where she took over from uh, her words, the redoubtable Patsy Dalton, and she uh, describes herself as a, a toiler in the print shop, really, um, putting things together for the journal, where she does, of course, incredible work. She's worked alongside uh, former guest um, Nicholas Utekin, uh, and more recently, Roger Johnson, and we're absolutely elated to get Heather onto the show. 
Heather, thank you very much for joining us on Sherlock from Adler to Amberley. I'm going to try and give it the full title um, because I've been putting out the wrong Twitter name for it for at least two years now. So, uh, so that's something. So, thank you very much for uh, for joining us for the resident patient, um, production editor of the Sherlock Holmes Journal. Here's a question that you may you may not ask very often. What does that mean then? It means I'm the inky chap. The toiler in the okay. overalls in the workshop, as it were, who uh, sticks the thing together and sees it through the press. When I started doing this in, good God, 1984, I think it was. I was still at school. I just I thought uh, I'd let you know that. It was literally cut and paste. Like you got long galleys, really? you know, you sent the typescripts. Uh, they came back as long galleys, which you cut up with scissors, stuck them on uh, pre-printed forms. Yeah. Uh, indicated where the photos and things were going to go so like that nowadays of course it's all done with a twitch of the finger on on adobe and it's yeah. very much a few years ago i revolutionized the sherlock holmes world by redesigning the thing it has looked okay. exactly the same from 1952 i think the first <laughs> it was till about uh, uh 2017 and i said can we have a new look and uh, produced a new look so it now looks so uh, do, do either of you receive it are you members yes yes yeah 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 so, so it now has a shiny new look with, uh, with jolly pictures on the front that's the fella yeah that john i've always admired the um, special <laughs> i've always admired the production editing in particular of the sherlock holmes uh, journal i don't know about you yes i have always called <laughs> it was very funny when the first new look edition came out uh, Twitter was absolutely sort of hammering in my hand on, on my phone. I was at somebody's party in a garden somewhere. I go, excuse me, I must look at this. And uh, the, the Twitter sphere really likes it. And then the emails came, started coming in. What have you done? This is a disgrace. <laughs> Not very many of that sort. But there was a school of thought that it ought to stay looking the way it had looked in 1952. No, it, 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 it Most is people were pleased with it. <laughs> but, but that would have happened when it went colour as well. Oh, yes, yes. And when I <laughs> stopped being in, you know, solid columns and started frolicking about a bit. When you get this a lot, I think, with, with Facebook, where there was a time about 2007 when Facebook changed its font or put the stories on the right-hand side instead of the left-hand oh, yes. side. Everybody's horrified. Said, I'm, I'm never coming. It's like Dylan goes electric. Honestly, it's, it's like, I'm never, never doing this ever again. Why? <laughs> because you've moved the font. <laughs> and then three weeks later, you can't remember what it used to look like. Couldn't pick it out of a, a lineup now. <laughs> no. Uh, 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 no, which is the way. Well, I, I hope this was a bit more enjoyable than that. Yes, I, I, anyway, I that's fun. That. But yeah, that's what I did as a, a Nicky Tekin uh, uh, for many years, and then more recently, and for quite a while now, Roger Johnson. They do the scholarly stuff, the clever stuff. They, uh, you know, they receive the articles and decide what's going to be in this issue, and they okay. write, write the editorial stuff and and. Uh, uh, You've got to you've do a lot of book reviewing in, and so really. forth. And they just send me a, a massive great file and I, I glue it all in with a yeah, magic of, a, of a InDesign, which is a lot more fun. Yeah. So have you ever written for the publication yourself? Or? Oh, yes, there's a few bits by me. Uh, not very often, but a few bits. And uh, um, the meetings of the Sherlock Holmes Society, I occasionally contribute. Uh, okay. Uh, occasionally a whole meeting but more often on panels we've got one coming up actually we've got a meeting in march and uh, three or four of us are doing uh, sort of like 15 minute slots which is quite fun subject being women in the canon so well, i bagged i bagged to do the lower orders all the humble ones all, all the maids and servants and the ones that aren't called violet 
yeah, <laughs> Aunt Paul Violet, uh, aren't married to somebody rich and significant. No. And have to make their own way. I think they're more interesting in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. However, I mustn't, sh- I mustn't shoot my bolt about that because uh, you know, I hope a lot of you will, a lot of people will be there. But we're going to the University Women's Club for a change from the uh, uh, National Liberal Club. So we'll be in a, oh, a, a, very good. a, a, a kind of, of woman-friendly venue. Yeah, so it should be oh, I do, like, I do like the sound of that. That's, uh, yeah, well, come that's on. something we should, we should certainly have a look at. I've nice got to be, be honest, let, let's just put paint a scenario here. You've written something for the journal. You think, this is rather good. Your job is to put it on the page. Have you ever bumped anyone down the page so you can have a nice big juicy top <laughs> page There's not enough me for that to be significant anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, obviously I wouldn't do that. Uh, my, my usual first act is to decide <laughs> what, what's the lead story, particularly now that the, the, the lead story can have an illustration on the cover sometimes. Sometimes yeah. the illustration on the cover is completely irrelevant. It's just a nice picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you decide what's the lead story, and then you have the sort of meat, as it were, and then the the uh, regulars and articles, reviews, um, theatre theatre reviews, and that kind of thing. Uh, all all the book pages of which there are a lot, such a lot is published. It's amazing. Yeah, um, I take my hat off to the people who read them all and review them. Roger and his cohort of uh, of uh, brave souls who who plough through all this stuff. Well, yeah. this is something. Obviously, John and I come from. Um... We don't call it Jack the Ripper, the Whitechapel murders side of things uh, on this. And um, we've got our, our publication mm-hmm. is The Ripperologist, which is uh, edited uh, by, by, by friends just, of ours. I, I'm not happy with that. I no, I know, that. I know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it is the amount of book reviews Paul Begg does. Um, God, there's an awful lot of books. I'm not quite sure. I'd, I'd, I'd I think one of your that. earlier speakers described Sidney Roberts in 1951 saying, there's probably nothing much to say about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. People seem to be finding plenty to say. Yes. Even now, Roger's got a, 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 a stockpile of articles. If you submit an article to him now, you know, it'll be six or seven years before it sees the light of day in, in our pages. And I've increased the number of our pages, partly because there's more illustrations and it's laid out a bit more loosely, but partly because the thing gets bigger and bigger. In that case, I'll uh, put this current article I have on hold. Yeah. Uh. Sometimes he suggests other places you might send it. If you want to see this, you know, in, in your lifetime. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which decade do you have in mind for this? Um, <laughs> yes, quite so. um, that, That's the reduction side of things. Um we always ask two questions on this show, and the first mm. question is never ever changes. Is what brought you Sherlock into your life? Where did this all start for you? Oh well, in a way, it's not my story. When I was a child, I was a very bookish child, and my grandmother gave me a, a big book of you know, great English short stories, uh, quite an ancient book. Funnily enough, they sound almost like strand contributors. It would be stories by by P.G. Woodhouse and Sarkey and, and uh, yeah. uh, Chesterton, that kind of thing. And one of them was the Speckled Band. And I read that, I'm about eight or nine or something. Well, that's terrifying. I'm not going to read any more of that. <laughs> and I didn't until I went to uni and I met my uh, then boyfriend, later husband, now ex, but still good friends. And uh, he had a much more interesting uh, Sherlock Holmes origin story. He was at a boarding school. And when he was about 11, I suppose, uh, he won a prize for speaking and reading or reeking and speeding, as the boys used to call it. And the idea was you got a book token. Some books were brought to the school. It was in the middle of nowhere in the Isle of Man. So uh, they brought the books to the school and you chose your prize. So he looked along the line to see what was 10 and sixpence and found a book of short stories. Ah, that's good, because he had a special role at this school, which was 
after lights out dormitory storyteller oh okay and the deal was that this was not allowed of course no talking no, in the no, dorm no, after no, lights no. out he would tell a story and uh so long as two other fellows would put their hands up if a master came in and said it was me sir talking so that tim didn't get into trouble and uh, he thought these short stories would be ideal so he would uh, read one during the day and recount it to his fellows during uh, uh, in this uh, storytelling session after lights out so that's how he got into sherlock holmes and when we met he explained all this to me and i started reading the stories and thought oh, this is great fun uh, wouldn't it be lovely to put them in chronological order little did we know <laughs> So that was stage one. We were reading them and enjoying them. And then I started working in the City of Westminster Public Library's local history collection at Marylebone. And part of this local collection, local history collection at Marylebone, was the Sherlock Holmes collection, which was left over from the 1951 Sherlock Holmes exhibition. Do you know about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Festival of Britain. The borough of Marylebone, as it was then, it wasn't yet part of the City of Westminster, decided... Uh, at a council meeting to put on an exhibition about Sherlock Holmes, their most famous resident. <laughs> and some councillors at this meeting objected and said, we don't want this character associated with murky crime. Why don't we do something really uplifting, like showing how, what progress we've made in slum clearance? Oh, that would be really exciting. That would bring them in. Uh, this, this was uh, you know, hooted down and they did decide, but the press got hold of it and probably deliberately misunderstood and said, you know, this is proposed, wicked council decides against it. And all sorts of amusing people started writing letters to the columns of the Times. Excellent. By amusing people, I mean Dr. Watson, Mycroft Holmes, oh, no. Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> Mrs. Hudson said, I have several pieces of furniture that belong to Mr. Holmes. <laughs> I think even Professor Moriarty or maybe his brother. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was enormous fun for everybody. And uh, I'm sure at the time people knew who this was. One of them was probably Sidney Roberts. And, and the people who put the exhibition together became the founding fathers of the Sherlock Holmes Society of London. Mm. Uh, Anthony Howlett, particularly, the Colin Prestige, uh, a lady called Frieda Pierce, who worked in the library and became Frieda Howlett and has only recently died at the age of over 100. Wow. She was our president for many years. And yeah, that was the, the um, foundation of the Sherlock Holmes Society. So the kind of rump of this collection, the book part of the, the, the exhibition, was still there in a bookcase in the librarian's office gathering dust. And I looked at it and said, can I do something about this? <laughs> and uh, started you know, buying all the things that have been published since that uh, the collection didn't didn't contain and generally sort of reviving it and letting it be known in the Sherlock Holmes world that it was there. And uh, when I left the start of family, Catherine Cook took over and is still doing the same job. It's not at Maribyrn anymore, but it's still part of the Westminster Library's collection and she's still looking after it. So uh, that's the pedigree of that. It's a very considerable collection now, of course. I was going to say that I think this might be my Jonathan. This might be my favourite ever answer to this because you went from how did you start to get into Sherlock Holmes to curating the yeah <laughs> the whole thing. It was great <laughs> and you never yeah. really stopped. So, so in the middle of all that, sort of in the middle of the seventies, God, this is all such a long time ago. Uh, we obviously looking at all this stuff. We discovered there was a Sherlock Holmes Society. I said, should we join this? Uh, so Tim and I, my husband and then husband and I joined the society and almost, and at the first meeting we went to, it was announced that was going to be a return trip to Switzerland the following year, 1978. And who is interested? I put up both hands of yeah. very enthusiastically. So we went on that trip and that trip introduced us, the young ones as we were then, 
to the founding fathers, who it has to be said were a, a little bit of elites at the time, just just because they were they had been there since the beginning. So the young ones, we called ourselves the infantry and the established characters. We called them the adultery. <laughs> the, <laughs> the infantry included Auburn Redfern, Roger Johnson, yeah. Elaine Hamill, as she was now then, uh, now Elaine McCafferty, uh, on average, yeah, uh, and you know, a, a whole number of us who are now senior <laughs> adultery active members of the society. I remember on the last day as we were leaving, uh, Patsy Dalton, was one of the, one of the uh, founding fathers, uh, said to us, next time we come back in, probably in, in 1991, because that'll be the centenary year, you people will be running the society. And we all said, oh, no, 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 that's not possible. But by 1991, yes, we were. <laughs> this has got special resonance for me, because for me, I, um... I'm not sure I'm going to go this year, but I um, we have a school reunion. Uh, I, I went to the Liverpool Institute High School for Boys, which sounds very, very grandiose. And the Beatles went there and oh, Peter Sissons and people like that, Gladstone. And um, uh, and um, we, we go to the school reunion. And because my, the, the year, my year school closed on the day I left. So oh. it all went because um, Derek Hatton, who's an old boy, closed his school. Talk about revenge. And... Uh, um, we went uh, we went to the to the first one of these me and my friends of my year and I, I'm, I'm in my 50s and everyone else is 30 years older than us and they said one day you're gonna be running us I kept and we all kept saying we're, we're too young to be running <laughs> no we're not actually it is gonna be our year one and, and I think you that, thought that, of yourselves as the youngsters yeah. we are the we are we are the youngest the youngster. people there yeah because the school closed the, you know there was no one after us <laughs> so um, I, I've got a few of them yeah we, we always have on the night of the school reunion we, we always have an uncomfortable conversation, me and my mates from my class, about sort of, you're going to have to do this one day, Carl. I don't know why they picked on me to do this, but one day, Carl, you're mm. going to have to run this thing. You know that, don't you? <laughs> um, I, I'm happy being joint host of the um, yeah. of the Adler to Amberley uh, <laughs> podcast. I'm more than I'm, I'm happy It sounds as if you've got a job to do. <laughs> we've still got a long way to go. I, I, John, I had a look last night, actually. We've done 20 now. This, this is show number 20. Yep. So um, um, we're approaching we're halfway then. Yeah, not no, even halfway. No, a third of the way. <laughs> a third of the way through. And we've yeah, been doing it for two and a half years. And you've got to do the novels, which will take more than one each. Or... I think we're going to have a little break then. Do the, I say little break. We, we have nothing but breaks. We're very good at breaks. But you can't um, do just uh, one hour on the hound, can you? No, exactly. Yeah. But I, I had a look on Spotify and there was two weeks between the first two stories. And then a good three months. <laughs> so when we say irregular, we really are irregular. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll have periods where we'll do, you know, we'll do like two or three a month and then we'll have a three or four month gap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we prefer that. I mean, this, this is probably the the, uh, the the place where we should really drop in a little advert here. If anyone hasn't heard the uh, the Crooked Man, which we did, we did with Trevor Bond, um, to announce yet again, there's no date for this yet, but we are doing a special for the final problem. And the empty house with Burt Cools oh, wow. and Leslie Klinger, and we're going to be doing it as a, a Zoom event that you can actually come and watch. Wow. Uh, the two gentlemen talk. Well, I'm just going to let them talk amongst themselves, and I'll just Gosh. throw in a question. Yes. Have you got yeah. Leslie Klinger on? I don't think you say very much. Well, we we I, we we did um, the five orange pits with Leslie, and he was um, let's just say he was good for business. He is amazing. Uh, yeah, it was just. I just thought, well, I can't ask you anything because you know everything. You've literally <laughs> written the book. You've literally done the book. Um, and uh, I got the annotated um, novels for my birthday, actually. So, 
I'm going to go through that. Let's do King's version, not the Baron Gould version. Uh, yeah, 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 King's yeah, 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 uh, we, Roger, Roger, not Nicholas. Oh, Roger, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, Roger. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, that's more the sort of thing that we put in the district messenger, which Roger and his Perfect. wife Jean run. Yeah, as that's, you know, heads up things happening now. So that's where that should be. Make a note, John, this is live admin we're yeah. doing here. We'll <laughs> be doing the, that. Cut this bit out. But yeah, the district no, no, messenger no, no, is leave, leave it in, because you never know, they may get in touch with me when I, when I probably forget. Um, we should get around to the resident patient then. Um, the second question we ask every single guest is, did you enjoy the story? Yes, it's a good fun story. It's, it's, uh, I have in front of me the three different versions. As far as I'm concerned, the version with the mind reading is just an uh, abomination. It's a very odd thing. And I understand only Americans have the weird double-decker where you get the mind reading twice in the cardboard box yeah. and in the resident patient. It clearly yeah. doesn't belong here. No. Te- temperature in the 90s and parliament has risen and everyone's out of town and it's october it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a, a very clumsy cut and paste <laughs> yeah, we, we, are, we are definitely coming to um sir arthur again and one of our favorite topics here is arthur in london did he ever go there oh that as well yeah. yes yeah yeah so yeah. but he's uh, also things yeah. like you know forgetting when parliament rises and, 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 and no it's, it's not that at all is it, it that, that all makes perfectly good sense in the cardboard box where it's august yeah and very hot and Watson's wanting to go on holiday, and everyone, yeah, parliament yeah, if, if if that's all perfectly good sense. It's just, it's just been <laughs> pitchforked into the resident patient because they decided they did, they didn't. I, d- I don't know who, whoever was putting together the uh, the book version of the memoirs, decided the spec, the cardboard box wasn't suitable. So, yeah, I, I've I've got a bit of a problem with this because just to, to you know just let the public know what how we do these shows. So basically, what ordinarily I would do a plot recap, which I don't right i just say it as i remember the story or as i know because i've just read it recently um and then do a bio and i haven't done it yet which is quite rare because it's normally done before we actually do the podcast and i don't know i'm tempted just to say then there's some nonsense about mind reading but you ignore that if you want yeah well not many people (laughs) in the uk will even see that it's only in the american editions yeah Yeah. oh it's in the it's in the current, it's, really? it's in the fairly recent really? Penguin edition. Yeah, that's yeah. very strange. Yeah, the text you want the, uh... to look at is, is, the, is the Strand magazine one because you've got the bit with the other, the, the, you know, the chemical experiments and the breaking of a test yeah. tube. The, I've got the battered old John Murray editions that all us seniors have got, uh, which only has a very, a very brief sort of, it's been a boring day, let's go for a walk. Yeah. So, so you want to look at the, the uh, the, the Strand version, I've also got those Strand facsimiles, so you can see that in all its glory, and it's much nicer. It's been a boring day, it's rainy, it's nasty weather, but now it's cleared up, let's go for a walk. <gasps> and by the way, three hours is a very long time to go I for did, a walk. I thought that, yeah, I was going to make you know what? that. They went to the Strand, didn't they? Yeah. They went and had, had, had dinner at Simpsons, didn't they? Well, bearing in mind, if you go back to actually, if you go back to the cardboard box where they have, is it on a bottle and a half of wine for lunch while yeah, 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 totally yes. yeah. with the temperature in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, talk about Paganini all afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> man. I think when they go for this walk, arm in arm in the Strand, I, I think they go, they go to Simpsons 
They've dropped into Simpsons. Yeah, we know they like Simpsons, so they eat there twice in, in yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. In the Dying Detective, the, um, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Dying detective. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we get something, so, so, something, something nourishing? Fun, like Simpsons, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And doesn't he? Doesn't he? At um, am I got this wrong? Actually, doesn't he do it in the Bruce Partington plans as well? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I think he, it's I think a lovely he, place. I've, I've eaten there. I think he suggests. I think he suggests that's where we should go for for drink. Well, better I mean, if you I, a beef eater. Along comes the great big silver cover thing of this great joint. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes, it's very, very pleasant. Place. I um I really like the resident patients, and I but I couldn't tell you why. I've just I just like the fact that it's genuinely a crime, which they're, they're not all crimes, obviously. I like the fact that he doesn't do a great deal, but we are going to come to this. Um, and I like that he's just so rude to a client. <laughs> well, well, Blessington at least, rather rather than Trevelyan. Oh, Blessington's rude. Yes, ask him whether he drinks and all that kind. Of. I don't think I was particularly <laughs> rude to him. Well, it, it, it's um, it, 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 there's a one line which stands out. It, it is something like you know, I cannot help you if you continue to deceive me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but it's said, always been yes, very nice yeah. up to then. Yeah, my advice to you, sir, is to speak the truth. Yes, as he's telling all this to Blessington. Yeah, he's saying this to Blessington because Blessington's spun him a line about, oh, all my valuables are in this trunk and there's been a robbery in the West End and I'm afraid. And, and Holmes says to Watson, I can tell when a man's scared for his skin. It's not yeah. his valuables he's worrying about. Yes, yes, he is uh, very brusque with Blessington. You know, Blessington deserves it, doesn't he? Uh, he's uh, lying he's... to Holmes and there's no point in, you know, expecting help if, if, if you're not going to and give him the facts. It, it is a strange position. I mean, obviously, he doesn't want to say, by the way, I'm, I'm a former crook and I've turned all my medicine, <laughs> one of whom has been killed because yeah, of it. Yeah, yes, yeah. But he could say, I think there's some people after me. <laughs> would be yeah. a bit more helpful. Yeah, yeah. and he's very yeah. discreet, Holmes. So I think he would have said, like, you know, well, you, you've done what you wanted, you needed to do. I will. I don't want to see you hurt. Yeah. So, well, of course, his, his mind is, uh, Blessington's mind is... Well, right at the end, I think it's it's Watson saying it, but certainly you get the line about you know, criminal, though he is, he is still protected by the British law. So. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's dead by now, but even yeah. so, he's still. Yeah. yeah. In, These in guys will be tried. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's. I. I. I think I just like it just because there is no great expedition, you know, to to, to Mackleton or anything like that, or you know, or down to Cornwall for the Devil's Foot like that. He literally travelled fifteen minutes. Um, oh um, yeah, so, yeah. Somebody raised the point about you know fifteen minutes in a cab from Baker Street to Brook Street. No, that's fifteen minutes from in your pajamas. Watson's still in bed. Is that what it is? Yeah, we, yeah. we discussed this, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, yes. I've got Holmes is in his dressing well. gown and Watson's still in bed. And fifteen minutes later, <laughs> they're at the scene of the crime. So the cab journey wouldn't have taken very long. But uh, true, yeah. That includes collar studs and all that sort of stuff. You know? It's not like just pulling on a sweatshirt and jeans. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's um, uh, I, I, there's quite a few occasions actually where suddenly Holmes just appears standing over Watson while Watson's asleep and says, "Right, you know, oh, quick man, funny, yeah. yes. it, it, into your clothes, man." You know, that's yes. I think Abby Granger's one. I remember Auburn Redfern doing an impression of Watson, but Holmes, it's only a quarter to eight. <laughs> They really don't like getting up early, do they? It's never very early. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love what Watson says in in um, 
uh must be studying skull i imagine where he says i'm a very lazy man and he really is <laughs> yes. he yes. really is a fantastically <laughs> lazy man they don't get a great deal done no. but at the same time he says that that, that uh, holmes is very regular in his habits and he later finds that this is not true at all he's <laughs> very really irregular isn't. in his habits he just happened to hit on a i'm going to go to bed early this week kind of thing yeah yeah um is this a medical story because of Conan Doyle wanted to write a medical story about doctors? That's a, yes, I should think so. Yes, that that, that he certainly was able to uh, call on his own experience. Yeah, in, including Doctor Trevelyan sitting in some scruffy rooms waiting for patients that don't come. That's Conan Doyle himself. Yes, waiting. Yeah, that's definitely. That's and, definitely. Yeah, uh, you know what he said. Uh, I, I hired uh, uh, a consulting room and a waiting room. I was soon to find they were both waiting rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but while he was waiting in his not consulting room, he was he was writing the first few of the adventures. Yes, so, hooray for that! If he's yeah, had a lot that, of patience, we might not have well any of this. I, I I do like stories when there's just a little hint of an autobiography going on. Because I, I, I the reason I say that is because when Trevelyan talks about when obviously he's a specialist in in, in catalepsy and um, and nervous lesions. And when he sees someone, he's gratified, not sort of how can I help this poor man. He's basically rubbing his hands right there. Oh, good, an example. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. I've got a feeling there's a little bit of Conan Doyle in that, as if to say, oh, thank God someone ill came in today. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And his autobiography, he talked about how chuffed he was to, to, to find a patient having a fitted a carriage. Yeah, that's right, yeah. His brother-in-law, yeah. Yeah, there, there are other doctors in the, in the yeah. canon, but this, yes. I think this is the one where he basically makes him quite benign. Obviously, there's Dr. Roylet and what have you, but... Uh, they don't seem to be doing much doctoring, whereas Trevelyan is. Actually, yeah. genuinely is doing work. And he's it's interesting with... that people obviously pay cash. Because every evening, Blessington comes in, no, takes the money, gives uh, Trevelyan uh, uh, five and thirpence, yeah, and takes the cash away. So you, know, you don't have an account with your physician or something. You'd like to pay as if you were buying some some potatoes. It's, it's quite yeah. strange. Yeah, how strange, are you, and how much money us. do you have on you? Uh-huh. Yeah, is is going to be the uh, it's going to be, and it, it is. Um, a strange setup as well because I, I like the fact that Trevelyan says, "Oh, we 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 talked about the terms at which he moved to Brook Street." He said, "Oh, you know, we talked about this, we talked about that, and then we pretty much did what he wanted." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes, he sort of laid down the law, really, didn't he? Yeah, which, yeah. which, which was, I think is a really, really in- interesting way mm-hmm. of looking at it. I, I, I think that's the thing I really like about the resident patient more than us because it is basically Sir Arthur bored out of his mind. Yes, uh, this time in Brook Street, yeah. um, I still think. Sir Arthur and London are strangers. Oh gosh, yes. Up, yes. up until this point. Yeah. Look at them walking um, down Harley Street. What are you doing in Harley Street? What are you doing in Harley Street? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> this, this, this came to head. I don't know if you know this, this is on a previous show where um uh again with Trevor Bond, who is who is a tour guide, a London tour guide. So he oh, right. um he, he said uh one one I think it's one of my favorite moments of the show where we talked about the bit in the Red Headed League where he stops and asks um Clay. Who he recognises by his, you know, his acid splash and his earring, oh, yeah. and, and his yeah. trousers are all ruffled. <laughs> and he says, "How do I get to the strand?" And he says, third, right, fourth, left." As if and, he's and, asked this every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, Trevor being Trevor, just basically just started drawing diagrams and saying, <laughs> "Okay, well, that's 
that's at least two miles away from actually where you're supposed to be. Doesn't tell you anywhere. No. Any near where? Where does he reckon Saxe-Coburg Square has? He got an identity for it. No, we 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 went. We got as far as Barbican Station for a while. We think that could be there, but it's absolutely nowhere near the Strand or or. Yeah, or no, 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 not at all. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to or direct somebody from there the to there. It's quite a tramp, mind you. The street plan is not exactly what it was. No, very, very yeah. true, mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. Th- this is a revenge story, yes. which is always yes. interesting. I think. I oh, think gosh, they're, yes. they're they're usually the best ones and. John and I have discussed this when we talked about the adventures about there's hardly any crime in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. There is things like, you know, mm. the blue carbon is a crime, but things like a case of identity, John's, yeah. that's a bit of a sore issue with John, um, is a uh, is, is not a crime. And there's other things that, you know, are problems, genuinely not crimes. Mm. This one is a full on crime, revenge, coming back. Mm. And do we have sympathy for Blessington? Well, there's two crimes, you know, the original crime yeah. and, and the crime we get now, yeah. Said, well, yeah. What a lot of cases are something horrible in the distant past coming to haunt you now. That, that, there is a little bit of this. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Usually coming from foreign parts, so this doesn't accept that they pretend to be Russian. <laughs> Some fairly obscure to reason. Thing. Why are you pretending to be Russian? <laughs> I was wondering if that's a bit of a Shakespeare reference. Um, the play oh, that's a Russian. nice idea. From uh, in um, oh, what's the play? One of the comedies where these young lovers turn up and they're they're putting on Russian. Oh yes, yes. And, uh, uh-huh. I, can't, I can't remember the place. I've been in the play and I can't even remember what's called. Yeah. Lost Labour's Lost. I've um, Lost Labour's Lost, and I thought it was. Yes, Lost Labour's Lost. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they're pretending to be Russian, but that's for comedic effect. <laughs> yeah, because they're not expecting to meet Blessington, so they haven't got to disguise themselves from him. Even if they did, they couldn't say, yeah, yeah, we look like your friends, but we're actually Russian. <laughs> we're actually <nobleman."> Russian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a very strange thing, but it makes it more exotic. And it's there's, there's quite a lot of humour in this. It's quite funny when the, uh, the Trevelyan comes back and the patient's disappeared and the yeah. son's disappeared. <laughs> and then they come back and he says, you puzzled me terribly, but there's no harm done. There's one little bit that, that, that jolts for me in that. He basically says, like, so he basically said, what were you doing? Why did you disappear? And they said, oh, it's because of this, which makes perfect sense. You can understand mm. that. The, you know, the poor man's in a post-ictal state. And uh, and he goes, all right, okay. Right, so what's going on with your... Um, really? You're leaving it there? Okay, yeah, let's wait, get on wait, with wait. the case again. <laughs> I suppose that's in case yeah. he... I do find it a bit unlikely, the son's excuse, that he doesn't want to sit in on the consultation. Yeah. Because I would hate to see my father in one of these terrible fits. Well, that must happen fairly often in, yeah. in, the, in the fiction that they've laid on. There's, there's no particular reason for him to think that his father... In inverted commas, will have a terrible fit while he's consulting the doctor. That's and he just seems to go catatonic rather pretty, than... Uh, yes, yes, he does. Yeah, Ra- rather than anything hugely upsetting. Obviously, that's part of the... Uh, I thought they could. I thought they may, may have come up with a different... I suppose know. it's the easiest thing to fake, it's just sitting still. He yeah. doesn't have to foam at the mouth or fall on the floor or anything, just sits well, and, and Holmes says he's done it himself more than once. And, you know, well, yeah. uh, we, we will talk about Holmes malingering one well, he day. he does it in the Rygate Squires. He does it in Rygate Squires. He does yeah. it in, obviously, malingers in um, Dime Detective. Yeah, yeah, but like falling um, in a fit he does at the Rygate Squires, just, just to stop people saying something he doesn't want to be let out, the business about the note. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is wonderful, yeah. says Cunningham yeah. at one point. Oh, yeah. this is wonderful. Uh, um <laughs> Uh, there's another one thing as well. Oh, obviously he um, 
uh, exaggerates just how much he was beat up in the the illustrious clients as well, and uh, oh, and also a bit of the final problem. Yes, so he's, yes. he's, he's not above the, the uh, moving. Well, it's you know, it's also, also a very good purpose. You know? Yeah, and yeah, he's an actor and a rare one, as we know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's it, it. I think it's just tremendous. The only if I had a problem with the resident patient, and I thought this while reading it, is I think that he was running out of ink come the end because he does not have cram a lot of story into the last three paragraphs. <laughs> And by the way, they all died, and, uh, but they might not have died. And um, yeah, that's part of the I don't know horrible things in horrible parts, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Everybody seems to be perfectly happy for villains to escape, so long as they go somewhere foreign to do it. Yeah, you know, go and join the South African police, or was it the Rhodesian police, or something like that, or, or you know, get murdered in Odessa. They just push off, you know, beyond these shores. Yes, it, I, don't, um, I don't know how we think how the police found any kind of evidence there. Where did Gilchrist go from the three students? I think he went to Rhodesia. Yeah, he went to join the Rhodesia oh, yeah, police. Yeah. yeah, not South African, Rhodesia. Yeah. yeah. The good news yes. is I've decided and, to, and to take my crime uh, somewhere else. A whole wagon full of people and a printing press disappeared in the engineer's thumb, didn't they? Yes. And, and <laughs> murdered each other somewhere in Eastern Europe. That's but, all right. But, just, just go away and disappear and we don't care. <laughs> But I also do quite like the fact that he doesn't tie things up all the time. And Watson says at the end, you know, they are still technically, because they don't know if they died on the Nora Kramer, yeah. Yeah. We, they, they might still be around. And then let's never discuss that ever again. I I, actually, I read the, the story to my girlfriend who said at the end, so what happened to the criminals? No, we don't know. Yeah. We really yeah. don't know. Which is kind of unsatisfactory. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that. But I really like yeah. that he does that. I, I do like yeah. an open-ended as well. Yeah. They... they uh, that they, they got away. I know they do that in the BBC version originally when the, the wedding one where, um, I mean, they cheat because he does actually solve the crime. He says, oh, what happened to the uh, the guardsman then? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, actually, I shouldn't use that example. <laughs> I I, don't, I couldn't solve that one. And of course, he solves it while he's there. Anyway. <laughs> right. but, um, well, yeah, you want your man to be not, not totally infallible. Yeah. He does, he does it in the next one as well. He does it in Greek interpreter, doesn't he? He says, two on the trot, he's going to. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because he's like, yes. oh, then we think they've been Budapest, or <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Somewhere, somewhere far away that we don't know about, and and awful things come from foreign parts too. Yes, of course. They? You know, like Abe Slaney and and that kind of thing, and people who've been on ships, the Orange Pips people, horrible potions from Prague. To yeah, the Red Monkey, Circle so. as well. Yeah, yes. Six Napoleons. Bad yeah. things come from foreign parts. Yeah, we do have a few homegrowns. Not everything have is you, the. Have you googled fashion. around Nora Kaina? No, it was, a, it was a real ship, and the name comes from a, a song by I think Tom Moore or something. Yeah, it was a real ship, as was the Orontes, the troop ship. Watson, same I mean, Some of these ships. See, Heather, this is why you're on the yeah. show. Things <laughs> like that. Google is your friend. Of course, if we had Leslie Klinger on the show, he would be well. Yes, show, showing um, us the manuscripts of the original. None of this is original. No, I've seen people comment on it. Martin Dakin's commentary is a wonderful standby. He, he has all sorts of fun things to say. It's a lovely book, that. <laughs> it's one of my, I mean, one of my Home Society colleagues said, it's a great book to read when you're kind of in bed with the flu or something. <laughs> well, short, <laughs> short, short chapters and amusing comments on all the stories. It's, it's a lovely read. Actually, speaking, speaking of, 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 of brevity, is this, a short, is this a genuinely one of the shorter stories? Because I read it very quickly when I read it's it the other day. Length. I don't know. No, that would be interesting pages. to know. I think it's 20 happened. pages. I don't think there's a great deal of difference because they 20. had to fit into the slot in the strand. Yeah. 
There speaks the production the, editor. Yeah, the only yeah. long one, the Bruce Partington plans, which is a long story, yeah. appeared in two chunks. And the Naval Treaty even has diagrams. Months. Yeah, yeah. So it was a long and complicated story. So, uh, yes, it was uh, no, to be concluded next month and you had to wait. I, I think that's probably why I like the story, because there is an awful lot going on for what basically just happens in three rooms. Yeah. Oh, there is some fun sleuthing by Holmes. He's creeping around looking at footprints and uh, no, uh, screws and marks on, on in the room and so forth. He, could, he, he works out what they were all doing, who walked up the stairs first, yeah. who sat where while they were having a trial. It's kind of surprising oh. they could do all that without anyone in the house waking up. No one at all. No um, one at all. Very uh, stealthy. Well, this this brings me to my next question, which was, how old is the page boy? Yeah. Because if how the page boy, the, if they've all been in jail, I mean, it might be a relative of one of the people who was in jail or something like that, or just someone they brought in to come and do this. That's just... it. Because on the BBC Radio Four um, adaptation of it, it's a housemaid who is clearly married to one of the. Uh, oh, that's an interesting idea. One of yeah. the Confederates. Yeah. But it's a page boy for a this page one. Page boy. That's part of the uh, the kind of um, smart doctor's setup, isn't it? When yeah. Conan Doyle was in practice in Southsea, his, his young brother Innes acted as his page boy. Yeah. That was nothing like as grand as a, a, as a, a practice, um, you know, not far from Harley Street. But no. you obviously had to have a boy in buttons. When Charlie Chaplin played Billy, Holmes's page boy, I think he lost the part when he got to be about 16. The yeah. production thought he's getting too old to be a page boy. Yeah, and so that's why he... I thought, I thought because the, 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 it, yeah. it implies that they've been in jail for a long time. But is he a very youthful criminal? Because it's, it's never explained that, you know, Holmes never says, well, maybe he's just related to them. Because well, he's never met him either. But um... No, no, I always assume they just sort of bought him in, you know. Yeah. All we need to so do is just go in there and just close this door behind How they like made it. sure that Trevelyan employed him. Yeah, an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I wouldn't say it's a failing in the story as such, Did but it's Trevelyan just sort of a, hmm. advertise. You usually went to an agency at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or was also, he already in place and they just nobbled him? They wouldn't have been Trevelyan. It would been Blessington who hired him. He said he was hiring all the yes, staff. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes, he hires all the staff. So that's even odder. <laughs> yeah, having been hired by Blessington, he's then suborned by Blessington's enemies. Yeah. It's not really. Also, it's not really a um, an interview question you can ask. Are you linked to any criminal gangs? I <laughs> uh, quite so. I think it's it's part of the, uh, uh, the the kind of general theme that the lower orders, the servant class, are sort of barely treated as people. They're just things, really, aren't they? They don't get a great deal of airtime. People's maids and housekeepers and cooks and butlers and whatnot, no. unless unless you know they do something exciting like Brunton or. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're sort of interchangeable. Or get shouted at by Holmes and Watson has to tell him to sort of guard his tongue a little bit because they literally have just seen a murder. Or, yes. or actually, I think I think one of the um, I don't know if you're going to be talking this about this in your uh, your examination of. Uh, uh, of is it Teresa? I don't know if the name was Teresa. Actually, in the Abbey Grange, the oh yes, sort yeah. of redoubtable, yeah. sort of um, nurse governess type, whatever. Yes, 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 yes. The governess class uh, uh, are slightly superior, of course. I'm probably yeah. not going to cover them in my in my talk to the society. Probably somebody else will do the governesses because they're quite a a factor of their own. They're music teachers and the like. Yes. 
Yeah, they're, they're superior to the to the cooks and maids and people blacking the boots, that kind of thing. Yeah. And don't forget the yeah. one the Holmes gets engaged to in uh That is uh, disgraceful. Milverton. That's one of the worst things he ever yeah, does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and promises her marriage. And what's the stake? What's he saying? Another marriage. Well, a marriage yeah. for a posh woman, not a poor woman. Yeah. I suppose you could say this the, the odds at stake are the the you know, taking down of a blackmailer, not just yeah. lady whatnot's marriage. And he's the worst man in London. Yeah. So so yeah, flirting Again, with the housemaid. That, another one. But even so, it's a pretty caddish thing to do. Yeah, we're, we're going to go to Milverton, and I've, I've got a whole moral sort of line of questioning about this. Because <laughs> uh, what's in, we won't go into it now, but it, it just Shell just blows the whole thing off and said, yeah, yeah it's got to be done. No, no, it hasn't. It really oh. does not have to be done. Oh, you ought to get Jonathan McCafferty to come and talk about that. Has he played Mil- Milberton for many years? Make a note, John. It, it, in, our, <laughs> in our jaunts and jollities. I'm not sure what we've got for Melbourne, actually. I must have looked yeah. that up. Um, strange question, because I've only just thought of it now. During the um, cigar-smoking trial, um, that takes place, we think, la- la- is this the first time we've seen Lana, by the way? I, quite, I think he quite likes Lana. Yes, yes. Um, um, yes it's the like, only time. Yeah. Really? That's only one? Because I think yeah. he's mentioned I think so, a few yeah. of the other yeah. things, like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the non-stories. Um Sorry, the yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, in the uh, Leslie Klinger says this is the first and only time we meet Lana. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Holmes is reasonably civil to him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he talks to him, which is a start. <laughs> and uh, I've just got to, um, just because it's just come in my head talking about uh, the way he speaks to Lestrade, as, as Trevor Downey said when we covered um, the Noble Badger, when he says to Lestrade, he says to Lestrade, You really are a very fine fellow. <laughs> It's the most patronising thing. Um, where's Trevelyan during all that? Sleep in bed. They're managing to be so quiet. So it's a trial that... where a man is scared senseless. He knows he's going to be killed. He's he not does... the smallest man in the, in the world. It must have made quite a lot of noise, even if he's gagged. Hmm. What? Uh, uh, I mean, did they... Drug, drug rebellion, so he didn't come in. Because you know, they can do, because they've got the run of the house, obviously. Yeah, they could have done. Because these Russians have got that. No suggestion. And yes, the hanging is found pretty early. Yeah. Trevelyan, obviously, then whoever whoever discovers it wakes Trevelyan up, and he's able to send a note to Holmes, and, and he's he's there, sort of in his right mind when they get there. Which it's a great be, note as well. It's about quarter to eight by this time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, that's a very good question. But no noise was made by. No noise was made. Three men, one of them a very big man, yeah. creeping up the stairs. And they thought they were going to have to screw hooks to the ceiling. Yes, so yeah. As it happens, they did. They brought all sorts of tools for doing that. <laughs> That'd be quite noisy too, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you'd think Blessington would at least sort of bounce around. And, and, and there'd be a bit of gurgling and what happened yeah. going on. And they and had, I think Watson's description of the body is really grotesque. And uh, yes, it's horrible. It's horrible. It really is horrible. Yeah. But I, I, that, that threw me a bit when I first read it. And I thought, it's gone from... Um, Holmes making like jokes, etc., and they, they really just impress on the reader just how horrible that what that they've done there. Because I mean, God blessings are not expecting a, a fair trial here, is he? He knows what's coming. Um, it has been pointed out that nobody makes any effort to see if he can be revived. No. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when Arthur Pinner hangs himself, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they revive him. Although he wanted to. Yeah. Well, However, Boxer yeah. says he's been dead for three hours or something, so I suppose it's, it's a bit it's a bit late. I like the way Lana says as well, oh, well, it's probably 5am because that's, that's a popular time. <laughs> yes. Yes, they think <laughs> it's a suicide. Till, yeah. Yeah, it is very... I, I, <clears throat> when I my children were young, we... Sorry. <laughs> I, like, I wonder what this hook with you to how strong this hook must be even if he's hanging there for three hours and he's not yeah. a small man. They must mm. load bearing. Mm. It must have been quite a substantial chandelier, which is a funny thing to have in your bedroom. Yeah, very they oh. got very lucky with the rope as well onto the bed, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they're big houses, high ceilings and yeah, quite spacious. At least I presume they are. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, they did. Are we ready in Brook Street? <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's different in Harley Street. Where you know, I was going to say, was, when my children were young, we used to watch the Sugar Dazzle series, but we never watched this one because it begins with that horrible, creepy scene of, of um, Blessington having a, a nightmare about his his uh, his enemies coming and, and him being in a coffin and so on. And then you get scenes of this big, dark, creepy house, and the children wouldn't watch that. Ooh, uh, too scary. No, it's not exactly the blue car bunker, is it? No. <laughs> no. We watched quite a lot of them, but not that. It's not a nice yeah. one. I, th- I think it's probably the, one of the, the, the most gothic stories based on the fact that it really does have a gr- really horrible murder. Mm. I mean, I mean, I think I think that's up there with Abby Granger's just revolting murder. Yeah. And all the creeping about in the dark. There's yeah. A lot of, a lot of dark. And, it's very yeah. Victorian. I know that's an obvious thing to yes. say, I think, even yeah. though it's not. But uh, it's... Um, it's it's another big house where there's rooms all over the place. I mean, we're going to come to this when we talk about uh, the Golden Pans Nay and what have you. But Conan Doyle like, likes a big house, mm. a well-run staff, etc., where there's yeah. just a huge, horrible murder in the middle of yeah. everything. Again, there's the Musgrave ritual about it. He, he does like a big sort of cavernous house. Oh yeah, yeah. The old priest yes. hole and what the have dancing you. men. There's, there's lots yeah. of them. Yes. Yeah, he's he's all about that. John, John, what do you think of the resident patients? Where's it coming in your your sphere? I am. Uh, I I enjoyed it. It's one of the ones I I couldn't remember all that much about the well the, the resolution to it, um, but before before rereading it recently, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a weird one because I can't pin down why I enjoy it, but it's it's quite I'm the same. fun in a way. But yeah. It's, I, I, I say I, I think I like it just because there's a great deal going on, and yet I couldn't really tell you what's going on. But it is uh, again because he's such a skilled writer. There, there's not a word wasted. It really is. It's beautifully written as well. It really is. I mean, the it's it, just a bit where they're they're, they're bored, at, you know, uh, in Baker Street is just wonderfully done. I think it's just beautiful, beautifully written. I just need to know what Trevelyan's doing. What, what you know, as it was in that um, Mulgrave has a strong cafe noir before he goes to bed. If Trevelyan had done the same, he could have had a different story. He must have had a, at least a cocoa, if not something stronger. <laughs> Slept very well. Is Horlicks a thing in 1890? <laughs> and so did the cook and housemaid and other people that we know the household was equipped with. Yeah. Maybe they're just very good soundproofing in these rooms. Yes. Done that by blessings. Yeah. Again, it's a big, solid house. It's not like a modern house made of matchsticks and chipboard. No. Actually, one thing we haven't discussed, and this is a regular feature, but it doesn't last very long for obvious reasons. John and I have introduced a feature called Watson Watch to see if Watson actually does something other than just write the story. 
And when we had, uh, I think, I can't remember who it was now. Was it, was it Rob Nunn, I think, who came on? We, we asked a question at the end about well, what was your least favourite Sherlock Holmes story? And he said, uh, I think I sent to you on email as well, uh, The Vale Lodger, where it's um, uh, man, man goes to house, man reads about the story, man goes home. Yeah. You know, and, but, and, yes. and, and it's worse for Watson. Watson in the Musgrave Ritual is, is the most, the weakest Watson ever because he literally sits in a chair and listens. Yeah, well, he's, he's not there during all the action. Does he do much of this, Watson? I suppose his expertise really is the medical side of things. Yes, the only real Watsonism is at the beginning when he knows of Trevelyan and knows about his monograph yeah. on obscure nervous lesions, which is rather nice. Yeah, yes. And uh, Martin Dakin thinks that what or... or is it Baring Gould? I think it's Baring Gould thinks that Watson must have been thinking of going back into practice and maybe specialising in nervous disease. If he's read this, what Auburn calls an obscure monograph on nervous, nervous monograph, lesions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my publisher gave me such a horrible account of its sales. <laughs> yes, yes, it's obviously uh, not, not uh, going to win the Booker Prize. But Watson knows yeah. about it, which is quite yeah. impressive. So he yeah. has been keeping up with his reading and, and presumably with some sort of end in view. It doesn't sound like, you know, a light novel that he likes to read. Yeah, I, I can't remember even in last, French. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I thought, I really must read up on nervous lesions. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, he, do, he doesn't do a great deal other than, obviously, he... Uh, well, this is quite common. He basically says, I can I can make no head and a tail of this situation, Holmes, and Holmes sort of silently rolls his eyes at him as if to say, well, come on, it's pretty obvious that there's more than two of them. <laughs> and you know, and the, yeah. the man's obviously scared, and he's obviously lying, etc. Um, but there's a really nice thing where, where Holmes apologizes to Watson on the east. So what Holmes goes from furious, I suggest to you, sir, that you stop deceiving me, etc. Comes outside and goes, I'm sorry, John. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Watson, he wouldn't call him yeah, John. Yeah, because he never called him uh, John. Yes. Uh, sorry to bring you out on a fool's errand. Oh yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. yes. So that was pointless. That's not a case. Because it turns into a case very rapidly. It does, yeah. And I, I really like that sort of it, it again because I think there's stories where I've no idea how or when they're friends, and yet just occasionally when Holmes is in a more playful mood, because well, that what that tells me is the fact that he loved telling Blessington off. Then he really yeah, enjoyed. I that. think he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That was a nice thing. There was no, yes. no sort of nicety about it. <laughs> yes, he is fairly often rude to clients. Or... <laughs> Blessington is not I... the client, of course. Trevelyan is the client. But yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I also... Re... Oh, sorry, carry on. Sorry, John. You, you could say that Blessington is the, is the client. Trevelyan comes to get homes, but I think Blessington? Yes, oh, Blessington to do so. Yes, yes. Yeah, Which is a bit rash, really. <laughs> It's a bit like Josiah Amberley. I've even called in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Well, he's going to find out your secret then, isn't it? You fool. Yeah. Actually, yeah, there's a, that's a huge connection between the two, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah. I don't want anyone to know this big, massive secret about me. So let's bring in the one man in London who can probably work it out before he left the room. <laughs> or even Absolutely. if he's joined the room, to be honest, he probably worked out before he got there. Yeah. Oh, that's probably all about it. it? Well, I like the bit at the end, which are, Puzzles the two doctors when uh, Holmes says, I've got the men. Well, I've got their identity, Biddle, Hayward and Moffat. And yeah. Lana says, oh, then Blessington was Sutton. Oh, right. That makes it as clear as crystal. And the two doctors yeah. are going, what? <laughs> That's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I, 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 I really like the bit when uh, Watson um, suspects Trevelyan um, 
I've I was going to come back to it. Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That up. yeah. And, and Holmes, and Holmes, you know, smiles at him. And, uh, Brutally, it's yeah. brutal. <laughs> was it him creeping around with big wet feet? Yeah. I like that it's pissing down the whole time too. That's yeah, yeah. In the yeah, Granada, that's like no 90 degree version, story they, here. They, they keep it raining. They keep the rain up. So every time they leave the house, oh, for goodness sake, umbrellas yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yes, I that's love nice. That. I love that. Well, that's the resident patient. Here comes the it other is. story question we ask <laughs> of every, every episode. I really am the worst interviewer in the world. <laughs> thing. Um, I, I, we, we've been putting this in two parts recently, John and I. Um, normally we would say um, you've come on to discuss a story that you quite like. Leslie Klinger didn't like the five orange chips, by the way. That sort of threw well, me a bit at first. Given that is a bit of a story where everything's already happened. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And it obviously, when and Holmes fails, but I quite like the ones where he fails. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I let's break it into two parts then. Let's, let, well, which story would do? Would you dislike? If you couldn't have the Mazarin Stone, I don't even know if you like the Mazarin Stone, but so far we've got a pretty strong hit rate with that and the Vale Lodger. Mazarin Stone is sort of a stage play. In fact, it was a stage yeah. play. So I think yeah. it's quite fun in that respect, that you can imagine the blocking of it and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. so which is my least favourite story. Yeah. Years and years and years ago, we did a, a, an evening with the Sherlock Holmes Society where uh, several of us, were to, told off to speak on my least favourite story. And yet yeah, most people went for the Three Gables or the Mazarin Stone or, yeah. or the Val Dodger or something. So I decided to approach it differently. And what I did was, well, maybe I can work out scientifically by deduction, which is my least favourite story. So what do I like in a story? And I like some opening deductions, some stuff yes. about boot, boot laces and billiard chalk nice. and that sort of thing. To- totally yeah. irrelevant, but fun. I like it to be in London because I'm a obsessive Londoner yep. and that's where we sort of expect to see homes. I like to have some weather, either some fog or some pouring rain or snow for people to run around in their bare feet. I'm fuddling yeah. down now yeah. from where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah, go or boiling hot for that matter. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I like to have a Scotland Yarder there. Lestrade for preference but anybody else okay. do. I like Gregson as well. That's like fun Gregson. for homes to be chippy too. And I like it to end with a criminal you know, identified and, and marched off and put in the Black Mariah. So if there is a story that has none of these things, that must be my least favourite. John, any guesses? And indeed there is. So let me go through the criteria. So there's no Scotland Yarder. It's outside uh, you, you start with the deductions. You're in London. You've got some interesting weather. There's no Scotland Yarder. And the criminal gets arrested at the end, which is what I require. So the opposite of that would be one, be one you wouldn't like, would be the opposite mm-hmm. of those things. That's right. If there's a story that contains none of these things, I'm going to yeah. tell you because this is my punchline. Devil's foot? <laughs> well, yeah. So, so, oh, there's quite a lot of wandering around and yeah. looking in the sunshine. Cellar. No, there is a story that, that uh, fulfills none of those criteria, but unfortunately it's the speckled band. And that couldn't possibly be anybody's least favourite. I was going, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a magnificent thinking... story. Yeah, and yeah, probably in everybody's top three. Yeah. Yeah. So it's system... the exception that proves the rule. The system doesn't work at all. <laughs> and I'll, I'll probably go for the three gables for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's revolting, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 not readable. It, it ought to be excised. Yeah. Just for as well. the way not only Holmes, but everybody speaks to the wretched man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing that's the same author as wrote The Yellow Face. 
Exactly. Yeah, we, yeah. which we did. We did. Yeah. We discussed with yeah. Paul. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah. it's right at the back end of his of career. I think it's one of the ones that was in the mouldering the back of a drawer. And he he needed some more money for his next lecture tour, and he dug out this horrible thing, and that'll do. Yeah. Well, happier mm-hmm. to happier things. We all mm-hmm. like the resident patients. Yeah. There's lots going on. Trevelyan um, really should concentrate on, you know, not being such a heavy sleeper. Otherwise, this would never have happened. <laughs> we've got a Scotland Yarder. We've got some weather. We've got we've got tons of weather. Yeah, Can't move for got it. some got some good dis- uh, deductions. I mean, I mean, we felt a little bit on masking the criminal at the end, but um, that's true. Yeah, well, we know who they are. They just but even then, it's got a shipwreck and that's... they buzzed off to Portugal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or not? I don't think they buzzed off to Portugal at all. They just couldn't find them. Heather, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. It's been great fun. And uh, please come on and discuss another story with us soon. That'd be fantastic. That'd be great. So long as it's not the three gables. It's definitely not going to be the three gables. Well, I think we're going to do something special for the three gables. I've got an idea about that. (laughs) Stand in a row and boo. (laughs) Heather, thank you so much. A pleasure. I would like to thank our hosts at Rippercast, as well as producers Jonathan Mengus and John Rees. A special thank you too to Andrew Firth, who created both the graphics and the theme music. You can contact us on Twitter at Adler to Amberley. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>